You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Gong. Gong empowers your entire go-to-market organization by operationalizing your most valuable asset, your customer interactions. Transform your organization into a revenue machine by unlocking reality and helping your people reach their full potential. Get started now at gong.io. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and I'm here today with David Wall, founder and CEO at Unaterra. How are you doing today, David? I'm great, Ray. Um, how, how are things? Did you have a good holiday? I was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, two weeks in Ibiza with two kids, spent my time in the swimming pool where I came back so tanned that, uh, yeah, really had a good time. But um, yeah, today, David, with you, so we had the conversation quite a lot about, uh, uh, well, I don't want to steal your thunder, so you, you'll explain to our audience what you do. But today we'll be speaking about cultural consideration as you enter new market. We know the importance of that. And, and, and you've got a ton of experience. So I think it's going to be a good exposure for our audience. But as I said, before we get into the topic, would you mind just giving a little bit of an introduction as to yourself, David, but also the company you represent, Unitera, and what you do uh, to oh, help yeah. your customers? So my name is David Wall. I'm the CEO of Unitera. Um, we're a UK headquartered business. Um, we have operations in, in the UK, in the US, and in Asia. Um, We've advised in excess of 500 CFOs, FDs, HR directors, and their wider management teams around setting up operations in international markets. Uh, We typically work with fast growth businesses that are in a hurry to grab new revenue and um, get stable operations in, in, as I said, in a new international market. So our core service offering is advising around whether they need legal entities, um, what kind of tax registrations they need to make in a particular country. We run international payroll. We have a fully outsourced international HR team. And we also do the accounting and tax compliance. So effectively, customers can run their front office, grow their sales and revenue, and we take care of all the back office compliance. That's wonderful. Uh, a big, uh, a big pain that you remove from the from the clients. I'm sure from your clients. Um, so, David, you've been helping a lot of those companies in in developing internationally, uh, especially from the HR front. But from your perspective, what's the most common mistake that that you've seen your clients making, or prospect, or other makings when setting up a business internationally? Yeah, so it's a really good question, Ray, and um, you know. We've we've supported customers in over a hundred countries, probably um, over the course of Unitera's history, and we operate in about seventy countries today, currently. So, as you can imagine, we've witnessed lots of different mistakes, errors, um, interesting scenarios um, in supporting all these businesses. I think I think probably is there's a couple of things. The, First one is a lack of appreciation of, of the international landscape. So what do I mean by that? So a lot of our customers are US headquartered, not exclusively, but a lot of them are. And when you look at, if you just take the employment landscape in the UK and all the associated legislation and laws around employing people in the UK, 
And then when you think, okay, so that's complex in itself. And then you, you move a couple of hours across the pond to France and the employment landscape is 180 degrees different. And it's, compl- it's completely under a, a different set of um, rules, uh, incredibly complex. And then you go an hour to the left and you've got Germany and it's the same again and Spain. So, so the, the complexity around going international is very real. And the associated costs for getting it wrong are can be significant. Costs. So, so that's one of the things that we 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 often see. Um, you can't stereotype all companies, and you know, and every business has a different risk profile to an appetite to risk. But we work, as I said, we work with a lot of US companies, and they're they're in a hurry, and yeah. they want to grab revenue, and they're being driven by their investors or their CEO or their their leadership team to grow revenue. Yeah, and um, we are often at pains to pull them back to 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 make sure that they do understand the implications of hiring in an international market. Because, as I said, getting it wrong is expensive. So that's that's one area. Another area is 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 one size doesn't fit all, you know, and it ties into the point I made um, earlier around. Um, that you can't have a vanilla approach in terms of hiring. With a lot of customers, we, you know, and a lot of the conversations that we have, it's, you know, we might be working with, you know, a UK customer and they want to go into Eastern Europe somewhere, whether it be Poland or or, or, or Hungary. And they'll say, you know, can we use a UK employment contract? And the answer is, well, you can, but Good luck. You know, again, the, the, it's, and, and you can't just use, you can't have a cookie cutter approach to this kind of um, expansion project. It just doesn't work. No, I agree with you. I think um, th- there is an excitement around the board table when we speak about geographical expansion. Um, th- there is a, there is a difficulty. I think it goes both ways from my experience, right? So our first geographical expansion was from the UK to North America, right? And I ended up with a, a five years IRS investigation that we closed off successfully literally six months ago, right? Simply because from we've not done anything wrong, We've not dodged any tax, but we did not have the document in place. We didn't have the right transfer pricing information. We had something, but it was very clumsy. It was amateurish. The business was two years old, start to peer. We put that on the back of an envelope and we said, we were cool with it. Oh, trust me, <laughs> when you deal with the IRS, when they're tough, man. And, and they are not really understandable. You know, they don't really make an effort to understand you and you're presumed guilty <laughs> before you, you do anything else. So you've, you've got to fight to prove that you've not done anything wrong and, and provide lots of information. But that was extremely painful. And now that we're opening an office in Germany, as you know, like as we speak, transfer pricing is one of the first things we look at. You know, you learn from your mistake, but my fingers are still burning from that IRS. I mean, the emotion we went through through the audit was really painful. So I think that's one thing that you didn't mention that is also important. I know you're trying to brush very broadly on topics, but even tax implication, right? What's tax? 
know, you can't set up an entity in Germany or an entity in, in Eastern Europe and expect to pay no tax and just get all your taxes back in the UK or your tax in the US. So you, you will have to make sure that you get things sorted. I mean, North America, we all know that you've got your corporate tax, but then you've got the employee tax that may differ from one state to the other. So you also need to be aware of that because you need to deal with it. You need to be prepared. And there is a great level of complexity. And I think people, having done it myself and thinking that I was good enough to do it on my own, now we just we just, we just raise our hands. We speak to tax advisor. We speak to HR advisor. We've got local lawyers. The first thing you do is to set up a team around you, but you want to speak to local lawyers. You've got to... Because you made a good point between the international market and the local complexity and then the hiring issue, right? I could try, we could try, everybody could try to go and recruit German resources with a UK employment contract. But the German being risk adverse, your chances of finding the right people with that sort of things is not great. You will probably get the people that won't get a job anywhere else. They will accept the complexity. So you know, you, I think you've got to be very aware of all the other things that can happen. It's not just about visiting an office, sending a check, getting the keys, getting in, putting your stuff and your logo on the wall and off you go. But it's really about setting up the, 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 the operation properly. And then you've got to think about the relationship between that operation and the mothership and how does that work? And that's what a tax advisor needs to come and you need to be smart. You need to make sure also that you pay tax-wise due, which is another thing that people are discussing because corporation tax is a bit better in the UK than it may be anywhere else in the world at the moment. Okay, that may change. Let's wait for April. But all those things from my perspective are, are the complexity. The, for, for me, I guess the employment law being French and I've been studying you know, management of small businesses. So we've, we've got HR. And it's very funny because I was meeting with the lawyer uh, two weeks ago in Germany to discuss the employment contract. And the way to manage resources is completely different, right? If someone lied during the interview process about something that they've done, you actually keep that on track. If, that, if their contract says that they only have one job, but at the weekend they do Uber driving or they deliver pizzas or whatever, you may not just tell them and confront them on Monday morning. You keep that on track, on file. Right? Why? Because the day you need to do something with them, you've got all this information about them basically breaching their contract that you can use against them because it's very difficult. So it's a complete different market. In the US, it's employer-led. If you are the employer, you are the king. You can, you can say to someone you are sacked and they have to walk out and there is literally pretty much no right. In France, it's the employee that's got the power. In Germany, the employee got the power. And then when you get a company with more than 20, 30 people, you've got the syndicates. You know, people can create unions. And that's the thing that you need to really look at. And, and that's why you can't do it with just your own desk research. There is not a website that will give you all the information. There is not a book that will give you all the information because that's changing also all the time. So really getting either an organization like yourself or an HR expert, tax expert locally that can speak to your tax expert in the UK, to your HR expert in the UK and let those groups organize each other is absolutely fundamental. So I, I do appreciate what you're saying, David. Yeah, and just just talking through that scenario, and thanks for sharing that, Ray, in terms of your own experience, one of the, and it ties back to the initial question, The one of the things that we find is typically, 
the businesses that we work with, they'll either raise, they'll either raise some money or they will be sat on money and they're going to invest it in a, in a new market. And they um, they want to get there in a hurry. They but they 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 don't typically. And I'm not saying that this is the way to do it, but it ties into the point again. Normally, you know, the senior management are tasked to do with it to to do an international expansion on top of their day job, and it's so complex that it's you know it, and time consuming that it just soaks up. A lot of a lot of that time around the C-suite. Yeah. So again, the the planning and the the understanding around whether it's a tax, whether it's the HR, whether it's you know, to your point around when you set up that operation in North America or in Europe, and connecting that back to the mothership in terms of how you drive your culture and how you. Um, you know, you, 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 your values are transposed onto those satellite or subsidiary operations is a really significant thing in terms of if you want to, you know, have a successful re- result and, and therefore investment is required, not necessarily financial investment, but emotional, uh, emotional investment. You raise a good point, David, because, you know, the we speak about the technical side of things, right? So that's the boring part from my perspective. But you know, this is this needs to be done. You know, you've got to get the finance right. You need to know how you're gonna produce your accounts, who's gonna set the, the accounts and you know produce the numbers in in, in the, the, the country you are going and all that. Your contract of employment needs to be spot on as well. So all, all those sort of things are important, but you just kind of touch onto the emotional and, and for me I would just almost connect emotional with culture. Because that's the other thing. People expect that everybody will do as the bunch of people who are working for the mothership are doing. But that's not the case. It's like landing on a new planet. You know, you've got people who've got different culture and you've got to appreciate that. So comes the question of how do you transport your culture from one place to the other? And before I tell you how we go about it, I'd like to know if you see, have you seen the culture issue being a big you know, everything is done perfectly. Cross the T, dot on the I's. We've got the contract of employment. We've got the office. We've got the accountant, the tax, the HR people. Everything is nicely done. We're tight from uh, a contract perspective. Say CFO is all over the moon with us. And now we start to get a team of five, six, seven people. But for some reason, they're not really responding. So... I'm not going to ask you if you came across that scenario because I'm sure you are because you've got that little grin on your face. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what do you think is the biggest issue that people do with the culture? Um, I keep asking you the, the, the same question about the biggest issue, but I think culture is probably the second most important after all the legal piece. So Yeah, and, and, and look, culture is an enormous topic in itself. And, um, you know, very often... Um, it's, it's an own it's a topic in its own right yeah whether it's you know uh, a strategy point whether it's operational whether it's academic and you know there's a couple of people um Keith Warburton and Patty McCarthy are two people that spring to mind that we know that that all they do is focus on on this area whereas for us what we see is you know as a CEO of Unitera I see how we try to transpose our own, you know, uh, 
uh, mothership culture onto the onto the onto the, our, our other um, sub- subsidiary companies. But I also obviously witness firsthand um, the trials and tribulations of our customers that are trying to, um, you know, make sure that their that their 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 operations internationally are successful, and we don't see the the inner workings of that. So, you know, it's really my own thoughts on on how Unitera, our business, and how we drive our culture, and, and the type of things that that we do. So, for us, I think it's the starting point is is really understanding what what our values are and what our business is all about. Right. So, you know, in the UK, we're part of a bigger group, and we we are we're on a journey and we're talking about you know taking pride in our work contributing to customer success game changing solutions so, so that's all that's all nice and good um but you've got to live and breed it and and, and i think from a, a leadership standpoint the culture starts there but it doesn't stop there it can't it can't be leadership going this is what I think. This is what we're going to do. Do it right. It's got to. We're talking about human beings here that all get up in the morning. They all have their own different sets of challenges. Yeah. They 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 all, um, you know, inherently, I think human beings want to do well. So they need to be clear about um, what is what is the overall vision, and particularly when you have operations internationally, it's very easy to forget the cultural piece it's almost like these are your metrics this is what you need to deliver as part of you know let's take operatics as an example and and culture gets forgotten but if you're going to take people on the journey and it is a journey and I want to put the question back on you in a minute because I'd love to know how you manage your you know your US team um, because it's such a you know a big part of your team now but yeah, it's for me. It's it's about being accessible. It's about so they they understand what the overall vision is. It's about being accessible. It's about being really transparent between you know all of the employees. We have a very flat structure at Unitera, so um, you know anybody can message me at any time, whether they're in Bristol in the UK or whether they're in New York. Yeah, and 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 that takes hard work. It's constant evolving process. And I think with Culture Ray, it's not a work on it for one or two months and then put it in the top of put it in the top drawer and forget about it. Yeah. Constant constantly having to work on it, work on it, work on it, work on it. Because operatics, probably like Unitera, like most businesses around the world, there is uh, this movement of employees. So some people, some some employees will stay a very long time. Some people decide actually, you know, I've decided to move on. So you're constantly having to educate and work harder, driving your values yeah. throughout the whole organization. And that is it's it's hard work. And and when you when you layer on all of the complexity of going international, which we talked about earlier in the call. It requires a huge amount of effort, not just from leadership, but from everybody. I agree with you. I think it's um, you probably hit the nail on the head for me when you mentioned the consistency of it. Um, simply because for me, you know, it's still a 
I know we're all very smart people and all that, but there is still a little bit of an animal feeling in who we are. And I believe that we evolve in tribes. I think, you know, there is people that we probably prefer the look of or the way they are than some other. And that's coming from our education, that's coming from lots of things. So I, I do believe that, you know, you see, I read all the stuff about leadership and culture and lots of things, but I, I, I think that things are very more, you know, primal, tribal, tribal than that. And you know that you've nailed the culture when the people in the team are self-regulating the culture themselves, right? We speak about a lot of things, the non-negotiable, the values, the behaviors, blah, 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 blah. But they all come back to one thing, which is setting up a group of rules, which is like, you know, the laws, the religions and stuff like that, you know, don't kill because that's not cool. Don't shit because it's not great. You know, all those sort of things. We have to put some rules. Say, well, if you don't do it, there will be some consequences. Okay. And I think it's no really difficult, no more difficult than that. And what's difficult is to find the people, the core group of people that will be happy to be like a, 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 um, a police player, like the captains, the team captains. Someone will wear the armbands if I was on a football pitch and come and shout at me because I'm not moving my ass on the pitch. Right, and tell me, look, if you don't do it, I'm gonna ask for you to be sub because we. So, so who is the, the, this kind of? I know we call that the leadership. For me, that's more like the alpha type of the group and the people who really get it personally when someone is not respecting the culture. Like you turn up at nine thirty when we're supposed to, to start at nine. You want the team to self-regulate that guy. You should not be a manager. You should be the team. You know, sending them daggers, looking at them and say, "What's going on?" This is not yeah. the way we work here. Yeah. It's a non-negotiable. What you doing? You don't want to be part of that group? Well, if you don't want to be part of that group, we're going to self-regulate you out of that group, you know? And that's the difficult bit. The difficult bit is how do you find people that are consistently fighting for the right values that are cons- and, and I'm not, you know, it's difficult. And what's, that's one of our difficulties maybe sometimes in the US where our managers may see a bad behavior, but don't act on it. Well, what happens when you do that is that everybody look at the bad behavior and say, hmm, that's okay. It's okay to be 30 minutes late. You know, Bob didn't get, any, in, didn't get in trouble for that, right? And I think if I was in the office, I would probably dress down Bob a little bit. I know it's old school. I know people don't like that and lots of books say you should not do it and stuff. But I think there are things that you need to do behind, behind closed door when it's, you know, personally work-related, when it's attitude-related, if it's attitude, not ability-related, or if it's attitude, I think there is part of it that needs to be addressed in front of the group. Yeah. It's like a pack of wolves, and you've got one that just go and start to bite the hair of the other one, and and everybody knows that, you know, they they don't, um, they've got to, to look up, and you're sending a message to everyone. And it's that repetition of the message. With someone making a mistake, you've got the things. We, I even do something sometimes, which is I've, I've actually uh, I've actually learned that rightly or wrongly from Sir Alex Ferguson. Was uh, for people who are not in the UK, uh, he was uh, he was the football coach of Manchester United. I mean, you must have been living under a rock to not know who is Sir Alex Ferguson. But he was soccer for Manchester United or football if you are European uh, and their coach for a long time. And what he would do at halftime, he would probably, if the team is, is a bit complacent, he will pick the best player on the pitch and give them absolute shit. So all the other ones that are thinking, whoa, David was the best player on the pitch and he's getting it proper, 
everybody step up. I know it's bad. I know you're not supposed to do it. I know we may have a few glass door review that are not happy with that because you can't please everyone when you've got 300 people working for you. But I think, to your point, I think you the, the way we go about it, so you asked me about the how, I kind of went to the why and the sort of the sort of process. But the how is that we will try to find someone. So for example, here in the UK, we've got the chance to have a guy. His name is Will Taylor. Um, he's, he's a good guy, good company boy, um, very close to the team, always want to do the right thing, really want to progress within operatics. We've got a good relationship with him. His heart is in the right place. You know, he's got to develop the abilities, but he's got everything. It's just, we need to teach him the abilities. And now he's got that opportunity of taking what he's done in the UK. So he's been a running team in the UK to do it in Germany. Yeah. So we're going to transfer, but he's a German native, right? So he can transfer that. But we've got someone that is a very bad way. We, we didn't groom him, but he, he gets... You know, what we do, we are not a bunch of accountants at operatics. There is a method. There is, there is a very specific playbook for what we do. We can't recruit someone from the outside and expect them to manage a team. We've got to train them. We've got to enable them. We've got to spend time with them. But now you can take that and he knows the culture. And trust me, you would not want to cross him because he probably would tell you. Yeah. Right? Because he's been told. And he's been part of, he's been part of that group where if someone leave the table early without asking if they can leave the table. It's like, what are you doing? This is not good. We don't do that. We are polite with each other. We do this with that. So we've got that guy and that guy can be the first person. Now his mission is to find the pillars, the foundation that will be able to fast forward two years, be the wheels in that office space. And so we can grow with them. So it's about finding people in the interview process and recruiting on value, or, or recruiting more on values, where you want the ability as well, but you would want value and, and core skills, if you will, and then developing those people because they've got the right value and they already believe in the value we want to push, which are, you know, we, we call them behavior, actually, because the word value is a bit, I think, I find it a bit strange. Everybody's got their own set of value, but so we talk about professionalism, conscientiousness, resilience, and accountability, right? So that's the four key behavior we want our leaders to have. And accountability is keeping the other accountable as much as yourself. And that for us is important. So answer your question is, ideally finding someone that is with us that can relocate, right? The way we open up the US, my business partner at the time is, is not involved in the business anymore, but my business partner at the time actually moved to North America. You know, he was there 100% of the time. Okay. And, you know, it's how you got to start it because you, you are there. You can really see what's going on and be in the trenches. I think a lot of people just think that they're going to do one local recruitment. And I've heard it so many times. Oh, yeah. Or expansion in APAC or, or expansion in the US or expansion in Germany didn't really work out. Why? Why is the first man on the ground was not good? And every single time is the first man on the ground because they don't have the culture. They don't get it. And if you can, and I know it's difficult because it's a commitment for people, but getting someone that you know you can trust, that knows the value, that is a good employee to go and then support them in building a team so they can be surrounded by people that are smart, coachable, but also have the right behaviors and understand the culture through those behaviors. But you don't need to tell them the culture. You've got an issue when you've got to say, well, our culture is, is that. 
Yeah. It's, it's got to come from them. If They need to have the culture pretty much before they join. Yeah. Through their values. Most of the success stories, it's a really, really good point, actually. And it's not an obvious one to perhaps um, the listeners um, of, of, of this podcast, but certainly from my experience, the companies that have relocated uh, a senior leader from HQ to the new market. Now, there is costs associated with that. You know, there's visas, there's, you know, if, you know, there's, there's children having to move schools. What's the cost of recruiting no. the wrong guy? If yeah. you recruit the wrong guy, you're going to have six months before you find out, nine months before you yeah. find out, because they will obviously tell you a fantastic story to keep yeah. that job. Yeah. And because, you don't know because, because, oh, you don't understand, David, the market is different here. Yeah, that's why we need to adapt. Oh, yeah, but you guys, you always have to do sort of things where someone try to tell you, or in Germany, it's fundamentally different. Mm, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, so so what happens then, to your point, Ray, is, um, I think you said, was it Matt? You talk, was it? Oh, Will, Will. Sorry, yeah, so so Will, who who will be going over to Germany, like you said, he's, he's lifting the operatics culture over to the German business. You avoid hiring individuals that are not, you know, they haven't got operatics DNA in them, and you're not rolling that dice, hoping for a six, but getting a one. Yeah. Um, so it, we've seen that a lot, and it's it's very, it's it's not always the case because uh, you know, as I said earlier in the, in the, in the conversation, a lot of our customers are in a hurry, and and to relocate somebody takes time, and 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 that might not be a commodity that you that you have. It sounds like in your instance, you know, it's thought through on this account, probably because you've learned the mistakes of the US. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the stars just align. So he won't fully relocate to Germany. But in that in that particular scenario, um, he happens to have his family living just outside of Hanover. Mm. We're going to open the office in Hanover 20 minutes away. He's going to be able to see his parents more often, which yeah. he likes the idea of. But he's also got a, a girlfriend in, uh, in in the in the UK. So technically, you know, no kids at the moment. Just the situation will probably evolve over time. But at the moment, no kids. So a bit more freedom to take that sort of action and do that sort of things and put that in the CV, um, and the ability to go back to go back and forth. So we don't want him to be there and completely relocated. We probably will get a flat, but. We will want him to spend a fair amount of time there, and then we will change with other managers. We've got operation directors who are British or English or French or whatever that will also go to manage the teams. But we will try to always have a finger on the pulse down there. We always have someone in in, in the office, not because we want to big brother the people, but because we think it's first of all it's critical that they get to know the people and the manager and the leadership. And there is also something with culture. I think it's, we don't speak enough about relationship. No, people need to feel love. And how do you feel them? How do you make them feel love? Well, you make them feel love by going there and actually speaking to them and not speaking to them about work, but trying to actually understand who they are. So that's something that we try to do a lot as a leadership team, um, particularly in today's market with COVID, where, you know, I mean, if you see on LinkedIn, we try to do a party pretty much every month to get people together. Um, we are lucky we've got lots of things to celebrate at the moment, but when we do those parties, we just brief the leadership team and say, look, guys, remember, we are not staying amongst each other. We're going to go and speak to all the people that you've never met before. 
we're going to go and introduce ourselves. If you see someone in the corner, this is difficult, right? If I have a work party in 2018, I've already know everybody in the office because I spent my life with them. So when I go there, we've already got stories. I know stuff. We can pick up conversation that we are. I can speak about football and stuff. If I'm the new guy coming from Manchester for my first event with operatics, I may know a few people in my team, but there is literally 70 strangers in front of me. It's like going to a wedding where you just know your wife and a couple of friends, right? You want people to make you feel comfortable. You want people to go around and introduce themselves to you and say, hey, go and meet that guy. And that guy, oh, it's funny you say that. Have you met that guy? And you start to create this connection, right? And that's, I think, the, the, the role of leadership. Sometimes for culture, another thing that I've seen is maybe leadership staying in the ivory tower. You can't do it without investing into it. And you've got to invest in human capital and make them feel love. And that will go through actually having exchange with them. And I know that there is a certain size where, you know, if you've got five, 10,000 people, it's going to be difficult and you've got to do one too many, one too few. But I think it's still important to have some sort of connection with the people. It sounds like we're, um, we're both lovers of Alex Ferguson, but I was listening to a podcast. I'm with Miguel Arteta right now, but that's, that's my. <laughs> so I was listening to a podcast this morning from about, uh, so it was um, Diary of the CEO and it was Gary Neville. And he was talking about what Alex Ferguson did well. Right. And he would treat um, he would he would treat the lady in the laundry room. Yeah. Or the lady that make the teas and coffees in the in the restaurant the same as he would the striker that he just paid 50 million for. Yeah. And if and 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 if he ever saw, you know, people who were perceived to be lower in the food chain being called out by the stars he would stamp on that. Yeah. And I know that might seem like old school, but I think to your point about everybody needs to be on the bus and everybody needs to feel that they they have a value in terms of the journey and and as the CEO and the leadership, you know, those those conversations with those new people that have started and making them feel part of the unitera or operatics journey whilst it's all time and it's all you know um you, you could be you could be telling stories with the colleagues that have been there for you know since 2018 the time invested in those new people is absolutely critical to my point at the beginning of the conversation it's never ending this it's an evolving process of taking people on the journey i agree with you the thing with the staff is critical you know i just uh make a point particularly in the us uh you know you've got the you've got the office cleaner coming in the evening and i was in the us office and nobody say hello to them like they, they, they don't mind them they don't do anything wrong to them but they don't really interact with them so i went to speak to them and say hello and thank you so much for keeping the office clean i just wanted to know if there is anything we could do better do you think we are messy you know i appreciate your job when i started in the uk my first job was cleaning office in the morning so i spoke to them about that looking at particularly the toilets and stuff just annoying me when people you know treat the office space like hey, that's fine i can leave my mug there someone would just clean it for me would you do that at home no you won't um so and and you know it's a very small percentage of the population but i think doing that sort of things and people ask you as well that was very nice what you've done it's not nice it's normal they are part of the team right and if you are nice to them, your desk may be a little bit cleaner than someone else's desk. 
We used to live like, I used to live like Anvil. I mean, to be fair, it's easier for me because I used to do office cleaning. So I've been doing that. And my mom, you know, when I grew up, she was cleaning other people's house. That was our job. So, you know, it's a, a probably got a little bit more of a, an emotional connection. But, you know, leaving an envelope for Christmas with a little card and like a 10 pound note saying, thank you so much for, you know, cleaning all my crap all year long. Really appreciate you. Have a great Christmas. Right. That probably make that person day massively. Right. And I think this is really the things that are missing. We all speak about blah, 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 the techniques and that and all the stuff. But you just forget to just actually be kind with people. You know, those act of kindness is also what we ask the team to do amongst each other. And say, so you pick up the people. Don't wait for your manager to go and introduce that person. We want people that will naturally welcome the new starter. Yeah. Make them feel good. Introduce them to people. Show them the ropes. And be kind. Because, you know, that's just the type of environment. You can create all culture you want. But if people are really kind with each other, I think that's really what you got you nail it on the head and you've got a good group. And I think when you've got the ability to be physically in the same location, it's a lot easier. Yeah. But I have to think, Ray, I'll give you an example of, you know, so if I'm, if, if I wake up and so as a CEO, you, you, you have to get used to waking up and, and normally having some bad news in the inbox in the morning. That's just life as a CEO, right? So the easy thing to do is to fire off emails to hit whoever it is and say, why is this happened? Why is that happened? What's going on here? What's going on there? When you've got, when you, and, and that's, that, that, I have to temper that just in the UK business, okay? Because I'm trying to mature as a CEO, manage the communication, thinking about the impact of that individual when they get up in the morning, and they get that email that is, you know, shitty, okay? When you transpose that to, to the States or Asia, they're not in that room. They, they're, they're not physically in the same office as you. And that ruins their day, potentially. Yeah. Well, particularly <laughs> if they don't know what you are yeah. deep down, you know, because yeah. I think it's okay to have communication with people and tell them what they do. I mean, this is the concept of radical candor. But I think with most of my leadership team, what I think I'm glad we, we, we've achieved is we can have some very honest conversation. We can call out each other because we need to do it because there is something going wrong and it needs to be sorted now. And we are, we, we are professional and we need to do it properly. But at the same time, you know, we'll take a bullet for each other. You know, I think it, it goes both ways. I think you can be, you can be direct with people but at the same time, you need to make sure that in a situation, you protect them when they need to be protected. So it's kind of the usual thing. You know, if someone is down because they've got some stuff, you probably don't want to send them the email. So it's kind of knowing where everybody's are at in, them, in terms of their head. And yes, yeah, kind of the, the yeah. management on a one-by-one -one basis, really. But I think sometimes also people do need that sort of getting in the morning and reading that email and it just wake them up. But there's a balance, isn't there? There's a balance, isn't there? It's getting that balance right. And it's about getting your timing right. And you will never get it right. You know, no. if you, so there's a thing, it's just sometimes people focus on one action, but sometimes you do one action because you want to have one reaction. And that one reaction will go to the rest of the team. Some of it is engineer. What you should not do is to try to transpose your problem on someone else. You've got to always be cold-blooded before you send that email. 
and you either want to start a little bit of a, 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 a war or you want to you want to light a bomb or something but you it's got to be intentional not emotional yeah. if you do it emotionally because you're like look i'm not gonna deal with that i'm gonna make it someone else's problem i don't think that's good i think if you are doing for the purpose of coaching an individual and make them feel something that you think will help them in their coaching journey it's fine it's okay that they don't like you for a day or two they'll come around and you know, sometimes have argument with people and you know we we, we need a day, day or two we don't speak much it's, it's really bizarre very childish in a way but we don't speak much but we need to think and then we come and always usual things look i should not have reacted like that so look my form was terrible but the content i still believe yeah okay this that right we're good yeah of course we're good i know where your heart is yeah i know about that and you know what actually quite yeah and then we all progress from it and then we'll make it a good things two days later because it's a difficult science yeah, and i think really you're ready to know the people around you and that's coming back to the point is that if you just get someone brand new that you don't know that don't know you that don't know how you are on a personal level that don't know yet that you will take a bullet for them that don't know yet that you will protect them under whatever circumstances that don't really understand your managerial style that's why you break things. I, I had that with a uh, with we, we we recruited a US GM last year, and I think he just think that I was being a pain because I was managing him like the rest of the team who knew me and know the way that I am, and and I think I've, I, yeah, I've made some mistake with him. Um, and um, but you know you learn, yeah. right? As you said, you know it's about trying to be a better CEO every day, trying to be a better person every day. In the process, you're gonna help some people. You're gonna make some other fantastically, you know, progress and create a bit of legacy in their life and all that. And um, yeah, it's a balance, really. And if I listen to you, if I think about summarizing the this part of the conversation, so Operatics, obviously UK headquartered, large operation in the US, and now you're about to embark on Germany. You know, operations then, in germany singapore probably in, yeah. uh, we, so, we want we want to be a scale up now so we want to finish something before we start something else so we want to be complete or finisher so we're going to get the german office get a few people in there get our foundation right and then we move to apac but we need to do apac soon yeah and those foundations ray if you think about the lessons that you've learned lifting somebody from mothership into new market that's one lesson Second lesson is getting the right professional advice so you avoid IRS issues. Oh, yeah, do that. Yeah. For all our auditors, avoid the IRS. Yeah. Any more? Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say the, the, the creating a core team locally. So uh, uh, trying to recruit people, change the way you would recruit people. Because I think if you've got a big group, you may not need, need to have people who fully have all the values because they will integrate and they will be regulated by the rest of the group. However, for a project like the German project, we probably want our five first recruits to have the values that we've got intrinsic. We want them to have them internally. We don't want them to teach them. We don't want, so we want them to really show through when we peel the onion that they've got all the right values. So they will be naturals in those values. So then it, it, it matters less if we've got five of those core people that will be seen as the founders member if you will of operative germany and probably the managers of the future when you bring another 10 on top of that values again is less because those guys will regulate so i think creating your core team spending a, a bit more time at the outset and i think the last thing is do not act under time pressure 
you know, you mentioned that your clients call you when it's too late and stuff. You should not be pressured to do anything. Um, I, I know it's easier said than done, but you've got to plan, right? Yeah. If you've got to do it, you've got to plan and, and, and use companies like you guys. You know, there is professional out there. It's their job. They can take it away from you. And I know that you probably obviously cost a little bit of money, but do you really cost more than messing it up? Do you really cost more than me recruiting three guys in one country and nine months later realizing that they're not the right people, particularly if I'm a tech company? And the investment you'll put in would be massive. If you've got a lawsuit in Germany because you don't follow the HR procedure, right? I am sure that you get your money back. So just, just doing the right things and being set, set up properly, first of all, will help you to attract talents. So I'd say get the right advice, set properly, and show if you go to Germany, which is my case, I want to show to the German people that come for an interview that we mean it. We mean to open in Germany. We choose it. We want to be there. And I want there, I want them to be part of the German team. And then we're going to get them to compete with the UK and the US team. And we're going to have all sorts of things where we have fun and people can kick each other ass. But you've got to mean it. Don't yeah. do it for, for the wrong reason. You've, you've got to really mean it and be there. I think that's that's the overriding message for me. If, if, if you know the as a leadership group, you, you you have to. The focus is always on revenue, um, and culture is a is, is a is a hot topic at HQ. But to build a really successful international business, you have to focus on culture day in day out, and it needs to be part of the DNA, and it cannot be you know, just left to chance. I agree with you. So thanks for all the insights, David. Unfortunately, we're getting to, to the end of, um, of our recording time there. Um, but uh, it was it was super good to have you on the show, you know, to learn more about Unaterra. I'll let you turn the table a little bit around. I saw that coming, you know, you're asking me a lot of questions. And I was forced coming with all my thoughts as well. So to be fair, I, I, um, I it was a great conversation. If any of our auditors are looking for an international expansion, they want some support. They would like to find a company that can actually help them to navigate through all the crap and get the things right. Well, my email is david at unitera.io, or they can find me on LinkedIn at David Wall. And my mobile number is on, on my LinkedIn page. Good. Well, it was great to have you on the show. So thank you very much for today. All right. Thanks, Ray.